the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So don't, don't, you know, don't think about just saying to God, you know, you understand, God. It's not my fault. Or it's my fault, but no buts in repentance. Repentance, word metanoia, turn it around. You can't let the scars of the past define where you're going. Use them as reminders, but don't be resigned to them. There's a second thing that we need to learn, second key to moving on, and that is we need to learn to undo the signs and resume the race. Undo the signs and resume the race. Okay, look at verse 13. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Now, uh, I've used this illustration many times. Uh, you know, many of you are old enough to remember that, that cartoon back in the 60s uh, called the, the Wacky Races. I think I've used this several times because I think it has a profound uh, <laughs> illustration for us. I mean, it's a bunch of guys who invented their own cars and they went into this race, okay? And they were racing. And, of course, with any race, there's a finish line. And there's these different, you know, different characters in the cartoon, but there's this one guy, his name was Dick Dastardly. And Dick Dastardly, his main goal in life is to make sure that he wins the race at all costs. So what he does along the way is that he changes the signs to the direction. He flips the sign, you know, and, and he, he can, tries to confuse everybody so they'll follow the wrong signs and he could win the race. But eventually this happened in all the episodes. At the end of the episodes, he fell victim to his own shenanigans. Okay, so he, he, he always loses the race in the end because of the things that he, he does in order to win. Okay, it's a cliche, but it's true. The Christian life is like a race, and there's a finish line. We're called to run the race, but we must pay attention to the signs on the road that point us to the right direction so we can finish the race. What happens when the signs are moved? It could be disastrous, okay? So what do we do? We cannot undo the results of sin or the results of failures, but we can undo the signs that often led us to those things. Look, there's no such thing as accidental sin. It doesn't exist. Pastor, I accidentally committed adultery. That doesn't happen that way. It's just, you know, I accidentally Spend the money we don't have. But we say that to ourselves. There's something else that, that brought us to that point. There are, there are whining, what warning signs, okay? Okay? I mean, if you know your triggers, you're going to have to get rid of them. Y you know? I mean, it's just that simple. We need to identify the signs with the same thing with sin. Because identifying, uh, you know, simple patterns of sin, and if we don't identify them, they will lead into massive failures, massive consequences. 
The book of James, chapter 1, verses 13 to 15, gives us a simple pattern to identifying the signs that lead to all of our sins and all of our failures. He writes, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. I think that's pretty academic, okay? Nobody, everybody knows that God doesn't tempt anybody. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But, here it is, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Okay? So, here, here's the thing. Here's the progression of this thing. And I think I want to spend a little time uh, talking about that. He, he, um, he says there are three stages uh, to this thing. Number one, sin finds its way in our life, and we see signs of this, and it captivates us. You know, it, it, it captivates us. So what happens when we are captivated by sin? Desire is produced, okay? Desire is produced in us. And when that desire has taken place, a change in direction is needed in our life, okay? So it's very simple. We need to identify the things that are captivating us. We need to to, to see what our, um, you know, what the signs are, so to speak. You know, in, 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 in seminary, we had a class on purity. And they teach us men, you know, especially those who are entering the ministry. Uh, one of the things they teach us uh, is sexual purity, okay? Because that's, that's every man's battle. And everybody understands that, okay? We all have that. Not a single man in this room is scot-free when it comes to the lure of sexual sin. I just might as well tell you, all of us are in that boat. All of us, and all of us stumble and fall, okay? So I wanted to be clear. But one of the things they teach us is to learn how to bounce our eyes. When an attractive woman shows up, you need to bounce your eyes. No, it's true. Yeah. Bounce. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, you got to know, you got to know what's enticing you. So where there's an attractive woman, bounce your eyes, right? This is true. I'm not trying to be funny, okay? But after that class, a bunch of guys had headaches and neck aches because they've been bouncing their eyes during the class. Why? Why is that important? Because when something captivates us, it leads to that desire. And when that desire takes place, let me tell you, it leads to something that we don't want to happen, okay? So we need to keep bouncing our eyes, okay? Because when we are captivated, desire is conceived. When, when desire is conceived, we need to make a decision right away because we don't want it to give birth to sin. Nothing, before, before something is birthed, it has to be conceived first, okay? So when sin is conceived, it gives birth. Or when, when, when a desire is conceived in the wrong direction, it gives birth, and it's going to create problems. So what do we do when we are captivated and then we develop a desire? Right away, change directions. Okay, so it won't perpetuate. What do you do to do that? You need to create disruptions in your life. I needed to learn how to create disruptions in my life so I don't have to go and entertain that. Okay, disruptions. How many of you, when you pray at night, before the second sentence, you're asleep? Yeah? All of us. Right? But the Bible says, pray without ceasing. You know that that's the hardest command ever given by Jesus? 
You know who were the first offenders of those? The disciples. They were with Jesus. Jesus was there face to face with them. And they were sleeping while Jesus was praying. And Jesus said, can you not tarry with me? Can you not wait for me just one hour? See, Jesus understood this, this about humanity. We're fallen. We, 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 we have all of these things going against us, okay? Uh, the disciples were sleeping while the Lord of the universe asked them to stay up. So what do you do when you, you know, I'm going to pray tonight. Don't, don't simply pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, that's still, that's still, uh, you know, that's after lunch. I still pray at 9 in the morning, right? We need to be able to do whatever it takes to be able to create a disruption in our life. We had a camp a long time ago, a church, church camp, and um, the, the, the camp director there says, there are bears. In this camp. There are bears. And we were, we were told. Okay. <laughs> and when uh, a bear shows up, what do you do? First of all, don't feed it. Because it came because it smelled food already. And if, uh, if, if, you, don't, if you don't know what to do. Simply, he said, get pots and and make as much noise as you can to drive the bear away. I mean, in, in some sense, that's what we need to do. We need to create disruptions in our lives to be able to you know to fight that thing going on that's what we need to do to stop sin whatever it takes to disrupt it from taking more space in our life confess to someone speak to a friend get somebody in there to let you to let them know that you're dealing with this and you know let them have the disruption that let them be the disruption in your life because unless we disrupt it it's going to find its way and it will begin to consume us and when it consumes us it will destroy us sin will so what do we need to do and say say you're in that third stage okay you're already consumed you're already in this thing what do you do you need to cultivate i need to cultivate convictions to be able to get rid of it in my life convictions because without conviction, any sin will poison our souls. How do we know our, sin, our soul is being poisoned? By not just sin, but by fear, by hurt, etc. We know it when we lose focus on God's love and mercy. We lose our appetite for worship. We develop cold hearts. We do not weep before God anymore. When was the last time you wept before the Lord? When was the last time that happened? But it's okay to cry before God, right? But when was the last time it really happened? When, when we no longer have that intense desire to commune with God, there's something wrong with our soul. Maybe that, that fear, that anger, maybe that thing is eating us up. It's time to cultivate the conviction right back up. We need to make a point to cultivate or develop a set of convictions because that's the only way we can identify whether we or not we are moving spiritually or we're getting destroyed spiritually. You and I need to test whether we are in a path of destruction. If you can't make up your mind what position to take on issues, it's an issue of conviction. Because the Bible is very clear about where we should stand on certain issues in life. It's very clear. 
And those convictions have to be based on the Word of God. It can't be based on just what our friends are saying. It can't be based on what's logical out there. It can't be based on just some fine-sounding argument. It has to be based on what God already said. And that's why in the church, we, we, we preach the Bible. Because we believe that this is the Word of God. And the only place we can truly build a, con- a set of conviction that will not offend God. Without these convictions, you know, we go out living our lives as if uh, God's Word doesn't exist. And we wonder why we, we, we struggle so much with, with so much heartache and so much pain. Uh, you know, we, we, we love God, but we just can't move on. Convictions are missing. We need to, we need to be able to, to, to say to ourselves, I don't, I don't care too much about what the world says. I'm going to figure out what God has to say to me. And that, that's how you develop a, a set of convictions. You apply that in your own personal life. I apply that in my own personal life. You, you and I apply that in our relationships, in our marriage. We need to develop those set of convictions. Without them, I don't know how we'll be able to move forward. Okay? I mean, there are telltale signs uh, when we are in a spiritual rut. And there usually has to do with the fact that we don't know where to stand. We don't know where we stand. But there's a final key to moving on, and that is we need to understand that our salvation is all about redemption and not relief, okay? That, that when God saved us, he saved us to redeem us, not to give us any kind of relief, okay? Look at verses 15 to 16. All of us then sh- who are mature should take such a view of things, and if At some point, you think differently. That too, God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. What is he talking about when he said what we have already attained? When we put our faith in Jesus. And that is, we have attained redemption. Apulotrosis is the word. We had been delivered from sin. And we had been delivered and given freedom from the captivity of sin. For the purpose of giving glory to God and honoring God accurately. Let me say that again. Redemption means we have been delivered from sin and have been given freedom from the captivity of sin for the purpose of giving glory and honor to God accurately. Here's what happens sometimes. When we we say to people, are you a Christian? Do you re- have you received salvation? Many people think, okay, yeah, I've been forgiven of my sin. And when God does that, uh, that means my sins are taken away. And when I die, I go to heaven. Well, that's not the full extent of our salvation. God redeemed us for His purpose. Not just to save our souls, but to be able to make us accurately honor and worship Him so that we can give glory to His name that He deserves. Our salvation has nothing to do with us being relieved of sin and hardships. has nothing to do with God um, giving us favors and blessings. God has no problem blessing people, even those who are not followers of Jesus, even those who don't believe in God can attest to the fact that they're blessed. So what makes us different? We're different because our salvation causes us, causes God to redeem us, 
Not only from the penalty and consequences of sin, but also to put us in a place where we can give glory to His name. Because without that characterizing our life, imagine going to heaven. Imagine going to heaven and looking at Jesus face to face and Jesus asks you, what had been your life's purpose? What are you going to say? What am I going to say? Right? My life's purpose, Lord Jesus, is to have enjoyed the life that you've given me. To have enjoyed all the blessings that you have bestowed upon my life. Uh, that I had a charmed life. That I had this. That I had uh, 35 years of, of extra life that I went fishing after I retired. Is, is, are those the kinds of things that we're going to be telling? Of course not. There's a reason why God sent Jesus. And it goes beyond simply us going to heaven when we die. It also has everything to do with redeeming us back to Himself so we can give Him glory, honor, and praise. And not just give Him glory, honor, and praise the way we want to, but that we can engage God in a way that He said we should. You know, worshiping God is not up to us. It's up to God how we worship God. That's another thing we don't understand. We think we can define worship of God in our own terms. But in reality, when you become a follower of Jesus, God defines how you will worship Him. It's not up to us. You read the Old Testament. Did, did God say, Israelites, worship me however you want to worship me? No, 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 not at all. Right? God says, build me a tabernacle. Right? Why? What, what's wrong with just worshiping you in my room? God says, build me a tabernacle. Okay, build him a tabernacle. Now, he, here's, here's another thing you got to do. You got to slaughter a bunch of animals when you come to my presence. And you know what? You can't just do that on your own. You can't raise a goat or a lamb and then slaughter it for your own purpose of worship. No, you got to give it to a priest. You want me to go on? Because if you read the Bible, <laughs> if you read the Old Testament, God decided how he's going to be worshipped, right? Do you think Jesus came so that that will change? Not at all. Jesus did not come to defy the law. He came to fulfill it. The only difference is we're doing it from within. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? We can't just say to God, this is how I'm going to worship you, God. This is, this is the way it should happen. Not at all. Redemption entails that we worship God and we worship him accurately accurately okay how do you worship god accurately look unto jesus whatever jesus said that's how we ought to follow how to live that's what we ought to follow you know what the bible says jesus is the authority and the finisher of our faith Salvation has nothing to do with just being simply relieved of sin and of hardships. It has, it has little to do with receiving favors from God. It has to do with knowing God deeper. Look at, look at Ephesians. Give me a, just a, a, a few minutes more. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 19. Beautiful verses in the Bible. L listen to this. Verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord... 
the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the, the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit, capital S, of wisdom and revelation. Why do you think that's important to be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation? It says it right here. Okay? So that you may know him better. Or another way of saying it, so that you may know him accurately. If you know God accurately, you will worship God accurately. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You know what that's saying? You know what that's really saying? Do you know why God wants you to worship him accurately? Do you know why you cannot worship God in your own terms? I can't worship God in my own terms? Because God says, I am inheriting you. You are my inheritance. Do you think God will simply inherit us <laughs> without us having at least an understanding of who he is? Of course not. That's why the Bible says that you may know him better. We are redeemed because God is inheriting us. You know, I look at myself in the mirror every morning and I say to myself, God, you're inheriting this. Thank you for your grace because I haven't attained that, that, in, that, that, that feeling that I'm, I'm being inherited properly. God is good. But you know what? It says it right here. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His only people, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength. The exaltation is focused on God, knowing His power, not our benefit and our pleasure. You know, sometimes, you know, in a lot of preaching right now, sometimes it's all about us benefiting, you know, from God. There's so much talk about, you know, hey, you know, you, you believe in Jesus, all your problems will go away. Have you heard that? that? You ought to be, you know, you ought to be rich. You ought to be prosperous. You shouldn't be getting sick. You know, if, you, if you're a Christian, you should be uh, living your best life now. Now, one thing we forget is that we are redeemed for the purpose of knowing God in a deeper way. Our redemption is not bilateral. We had nothing to do with our redemption. Even if we tried to say, oh God, I've been a good person, I got to do this. I'd... No, God did it by himself. Nobody forced Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus went on the cross for the joy of seeing us become the inheritance of God. That's the cross. That's what makes our redemption and salvation complete. You and I are redeemed. Complete redemption accomplishes two things, and I close with this. It says if we claim to be without sin, 1 John 1, 9, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we had not sinned, 
we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Those two things are one, uh, 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 these. Number one, if we confess our sins, that's repentance. He is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and then purify us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because without being made holy, we cannot see the Lord. We receive grace and mercy. We receive forgiveness and mercy. It means our guilt is taken away. It's very critical. Not just forgiven, but the guilt is removed. God does two things when He redeemed us. He lets go of the offense. He gives us forgiveness, but He also turns away His anger. So this morning, we need to evaluate where we are in this life. And we need to see where we are. This is a common goal of all Christians for generations. His word doesn't change. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.